there aren't any systems that are better than each other. There may be an educational system, and I do believe that the IAS, from what I have experienced, because it travels from simple to complex, removable to fixed. Welcome to the Protrusive Dental Podcast, the forward-thinking podcast for dental professionals. Join us as we discuss hot topics in dentistry, clinical tips, continuing education, and adding value to your life and career. With your host, Jazz Gulati. What's the best thing about online courses? Like, I, I mean, I've done a lot of online courses and uh, even more in-person courses. And what I love about online courses is the ability to rewind and rewatch and skip forward and to go to that exact point which you need, which sometimes in like an in-person course, if you're watching someone do a technique or if you're in a lecture component, you sometimes are just relying on your notes thereafter and you lose that magic of revisiting that exact moment, which you can with online courses. So I think the future of dentistry and dental education is very much online courses. I mean, I know in-person courses has its place, but there is something magical about the revolution with online courses in dentistry. However, and it's a big however, is because I want to tell you about uh, the Mini Smile Maker course. This is a sponsored episode by Enlighten and Mini Smile Makeover, but I wanted to give you some uh, context and perspective, right? So online course is awesome because you get to revisit. Now, what I loved about the Mini Smile Maker course, where I went around about 18 months ago or so and really enjoyed all the pearls that Dipesh Palmer shared and I relied on my notes and the little handouts they gave. But the beautiful thing about the course is that they allow you, once, once you go on the course and you become a delegate, they allow you to come again in the future and sit at the back. So you're not actually, you don't actually get to the hands-on bit again, because obviously that's for the paying delegates, but because you've done their course, you get to sit in the back and you can bring your laptop, your you know note making, and sometimes the ability to re-watch that live presentation, the live lectures, and, and the, the beauty of being able to network again with fellow dentists is just sensational. So I think that's a, a wonderful model, a wonderful way to carry out dental education. I actually really wish and hope that this catches on and other course providers will also allow you to, uh, you know, once you go on their course, allow you to come again in the future and just sit in the back and absorb. And that's another reason why when someone asks me which composite course should I go on, I'm very quick to recommend the Mini Smile Makeover course because of this ability to go again. And I look forward to joining them this summer for my revisit. Hello, Petrus Rati. I'm Jazz Galati and welcome to another episode of the Petrus Dental Podcast and the very first episode of Straight Pro. This month, we're focusing all about orthodontics, but I guess I'm a general dentist. You know, I'm not a specialist. Therefore, the sort of direction or the perspective of all the episodes is from the perspective of a general dentist, like so many general dentists are doing or carrying out orthodontics, it's actually amazing the, the sort of growth it's had in the last five to 10 years uh, amongst GDPs. But I also have some specialists this month uh, who will be sharing their perspectives on retention, on when to compromise and when to go comprehensive, which I know you will love. Uh, that's gonna be a really key episode. But today I've actually got a GDP, Nick Simon, who's very well known about uh, as a GDP in the world of orthodontics. And I'm gonna sort of pick his brain about which is the best GDP friendly system out there, which is a question so many of you ask. I just want to get some insight from him to inspire you all in terms of how he got involved with orthodontics as a GDP, because back when Nick Simon got involved with uh, GDP orthodontics, it was something that was a lot more frowned upon than it is now. I mean, now it's so much more accepted that uh, general dentists carry out orthodontics and they do so at a good high level and we should champion that. 
But back when he was getting involved, there was still a lot of friction from the orthodontist that, you know, you know, general dentists should not be doing orthodontics kind of thing. So it's great to have him on with his perspective. Essentially, what Nick Simon shares is that he saw many of his patients had lower incisor crowding. I mean, so many of our patients have that, right? And quite often the patients would say to him, I want to get this sorted. So he would refer the patient to an orthodontist. Now, the patient would come back to Nick and say, listen, I went to the orthodontist and they want to remove my my teeth and it's going to be two, two and a half year treatment and this is not what I want, can't you just straighten my lower teeth? And that's what sort of sparked his interest in thinking, hang on a minute, should I be able to help these patients perhaps? Uh, so that was a, a real sort of eye-opening moment for him in terms of um, sparking his interest in orthodontics. Now, for those of you not in the UK, uh, Nick does reference someone called Anoop. And what he meant by Anoop is Anoop Maney, who is a phenomenal dentist. Unfortunately, he passed away uh, over a year ago. And it's, it's really sad uh, because he was such a great pioneer in the UK and Europe of GDP orthodontics. So I want this episode to be almost like a tribute to him as well. He was a great guy. I, I spoke to him a good few times. Uh, he What he did to advance GDP orthodontics has been unrivaled by anyone I know. So that's who he meant when he mentions Anoop. And uh, I think you know we should all take a moment to tribute the wonderful platform that Anoop set up for general dentists doing orthodontics in Europe. The protrusive dental pearl I want to share with you is something I use in most of my orthodontic consultations. Here's what I do, okay? I Because what I want to find out from a patient is what is it that they want to change the most? What is their biggest hate? What is their biggest desire for their smile? Because alongside all the objectives you want to achieve through orthodontics, you really need to make sure you nail the patient's wishes and expectations. So the way I do that is I, I sort of inject some humor into the situation. I inject some of my personality into the situation. I was inspired to do this by Mohammed Almuzian, who taught me orthodontics, uh, and basically it's this. You say to the patient, do you remember the magic mirror from Beauty and the Beast? And of course, Everyone remembers the magic mirror from Beauty and the Beast, right? So what I do is I have this uh, sort of Disney version's little handheld mirror and I say, well, here it is. Here's the mirror, okay? I want you to look at the mirror. I want you to look at your teeth, you say to the patient, and I want you to tell me exactly every single little thing that you don't like about your teeth so that I can help you. And I think this is great because it gets, uh, you know, the child or the adult uh, laughing. If they're with a parent, they start laughing. It's cool. It's a quirky, fun little thing, but it also gets you that really important information you need, which is what is it that bothers them the most? It's the whole thought of sort of, if I had a magic wand, what would you change kind of question, except just delivered in a different way. So I'll put a link on the show notes about the exact mirror I have. I think it's from the Disney store, but you can use anything, use your imagination. I just want to share that with you, twofold thing here. One is injecting some fun and personality into the question, and two, the importance of asking that question because you want to know exactly what they don't like about their smile. I also want to share some cool news with you. Uh, I recently became an admin on the Facebook group for Ripe Global. Now, going back, I mean, you heard the Lincoln Harris episodes, which were phenomenal, as you know, and uh, Lincoln started Restorative Implant Practice Excellence Facebook group some years ago. And the point of the group was to post full protocol photos. And I learned so much from watching these great clinicians around the world post up their full protocol cases, like. Who's got time for before and afters? No one. You want to see the every single detail because it inspires you. 
you're going to see a patient one day who has a similar presentation to what you saw on the forum and you'll get ideas and you'll get inspiration. So I've been a huge fan of the group, a uh, huge fan of Write Global. I've done videos for them. I, I keep adding content on their website and it was a great honor to receive the silver badge okay, uh, denoting the fact that I am now an admin for Ripe Global. So if you're not already on the Ripe Global Facebook group, it's got over 80,000 of us dentists all over the world. Please do join it. It'll be great to see you on there. I also want to give a shout out to Dimitris, who is a Cypriot dentist based in Germany. Okay, so Cypriot dentist based in Germany, Dimitris, thank you so much for reaching out. Uh, and I respect Dimitris because he reached out with positivity and with love, but also some very useful, constructive feedback for me, which is this. Sometimes a lot of you, when you're listening to the podcast, you are driving. And sometimes I might say something like NTI, SCI, or I'll say something, some acronym, right? And you guys, when you're driving, you're like, you want to know what it is. You, you don't want to continue listening to the episode uh, because you want to find out what I just referred to. And you can't because you're driving, you can't Google that thing. So I'm going to make it a uh, aim to not use abbreviations so much, or if I do, to explain what they mean so everyone benefits. Now, because a lot of these episodes have been pre-recorded, like, I mean, my content calendar is full for the next three or four months. This change may not be immediately reflected, but I really, really value, Demetrius, your feedback. Thank you so much. Uh, and I and I really appreciate you listening to the Protrusion on the podcast, my friend. Uh, guys, enjoy this episode with Nick Simon, all about GDP orthodontics, which is the best system, how to get involved with orthodontics, what are the dangers, pitfalls. And at the end, he shares with you the two biggest mistakes we make as GDPs. I hope you enjoy, guys. Nick Simon, welcome to the Protrusive Dental Podcast. How are you? Um, great today. Thank you so much for having me. As you know, I'm a quite keen avid listener to your podcast. I've enjoyed a lot of the previous episodes, and it's an honor just to be here today. So thanks. I really appreciate that. And, you know, I first, uh, firstly, I've, I've known about you for many years, actually. I've probably known about you since I was a student in Sheffield, like maybe in 2011, nine years ago, I'd heard about you because no of the, the good work you've done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the good work you've done in the realm of uh, GDP orthodontics, right? And I'm a Hounslow boy and now Southall boy. So that's in West London. I, I knew this gentleman, this dentist in, in, in Ealing doing really high quality work. And I sort of, I've sort of seen your name pop up everywhere. And then I got a message from you in the summer, middle, in the middle of pandemic. It was so nice to see the message from you. And you mentioned the podcast and the resin one bridge course and stuff like that. So mm. it's been so nice. Another, another person like yourself who I've been able to connect with from the podcast. Yeah. So again, thank you so much for reaching out. And, uh, and, and it's eventually led to this. Uh, and I'm sort of, I'm twisting you, I'm forcing you to, to come on here because I think you think that you, you don't have much to share for some, re for some reason, but I think you've got so much to share. So I'm really excited for today's chat. But for those people who, who don't know who you are, Nick, just tell us a little bit about yourself. You know, what, what is your thing? Where do you practice? A little bit of your background. Uh, background, certainly. So, um, well, I made my first appearance in the mid 60s. Um, I was born at the London Hospital uh, in Whitehall. <laughs> and uh, 18 years later, I made a return as an undergraduate. So that's where I did my dentistry. And um, I, I have two wonderful parents. I could not have chosen better parents, really. My dad was a dentist. He was one of the best dental communicators that I've ever come across. His way with patients was genius. And yet he had also skills. One of the early adopters of implants, he was a past president wow. of the ADI. My mother was the business brain. I say that in, in that my dad used to tell me, uh, in the days when, before computers, they had record cards, the nurse would transport the cards from the 
dental area, dental clinic to, to my mum at reception. And she would add another zero onto the bill. And so, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think, as she said, then no one complains. No one ever complained. Um, and, and that's how it was, really. So um, I grew up in northwest London suburbia in a very comfortable environment, really. And at the age of 18, I went off to university. had a great time there. And my first touch point, I suppose, with orthodontics, because, as you say, I'm sort of known in a way for GTP orthodontics, although we'll come on to what sort of type of GTP orthodontics. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you, because I think you went to, the, to London as well. Is that correct? Or, no, I, I went to Sheffield. I went to Sheffield. Oh, you say so, Sheffield, yeah. But after London, come the final year where we had the orthodontics section, I do remember going off to a clinic uh, maybe once a week or every two weeks where we were looking at removable appliances. And, um, and, and my, my memory from that is that I actually can't remember that anything moved. There were no teeth that moved. <laughs> <laughs> and a few years after qualifying, um, I heard that orthodontics was one of the best paid specialties that there was in, all, in, in, in dentistry. And I really couldn't compute it. Uh-huh. I to, what is going on here? I mean, at college, I thought it was a little bit like, <laughs> you know, perio-ortho, maybe not real world stuff. Max Facts, I'm not that keen. I mean, Max Facts is serious stuff. I wasn't keen enough for Max Facts. Although I really could understand what was going on mm-hmm. practitioners where I've been, really. So um, that was my first touch point with author. My second was listening to Tiff Qureshi. Um, I think in the early 90s, when he came over and started talking at the BACD, there was a little uh, section known as Members Pearls. And members were able to talk for about 20 minutes on their preferred subject. Tiff was talking about what was to be the Inman aligner. And he was moving and also doing some lower incisal bonding. And at that stage, I had no real ambition to move any tooth at all. But I do remember badgering him after his little mini talk on how he got his incisal composites to stay on because I couldn't. It actually transpired Mm -hmm. that my technique was very similar to him. But being at a clinic with sort of very low budgets, we were using very low budget materials and they were falling off. So those are my two touch points with ortho. And it really got started when a friend of mine showed me a picture of some crooked low incisors that he made straight. And I thought, my gosh, loads of clients come to me asking me, can I do this? And I say, no, I can't. I'll send you off to the orthodontist. They go to the orthodontist. They come back saying they're not going ahead. They need teeth taken out. It's going to take too long. They don't want to go through that time and expense. So I took what was to be the first six-month smart course with, uh, this is before it came here, it was in America, uh, with three other buddies from the UK. So we came over and we were... So you flew, you flew to the I States? I flew to the States. Uh, and, and how many years qualified were you at this stage? Oh, plenty of years qualified. This was uh, 2008. Okay. 2008, yeah. So the course had been going okay. for a little while, I think. Uh, Ryan Swain tested it out. Dental Town was where a lot of the adverts were placed. Um, and the thread that Ryan did on, I'm going to open up a clinic. I'm going to do short-term ortho. I'm not going to do anything else. And people said he was crazy. But, I mean, you know, history shows what a, a going concern it was and how well he did out of it. And there were two real mm-hmm. um, proponents of that. There was uh, Ryan Swain in Six Months Smiles. And Rick DePaul with his power procs. So I did both. So I flew out and did both. And it was um, changing. It was mind changing because this was a time when so-called smile design was coming out. And we were, or some were, 
prepping teeth to make them straight, the so-called portions of portion deficiency syndrome, where you just place veneers from wall mm -hmm. to wall. So I came back thinking that this is going to be really good. I was very enthusiastic about it. Are you enjoying the Protrusive Dental Podcast? Well, allow me to deliver you even more value. You can now download the iOS or Play Store app for free. Just search Protrusive on your app platform. Now, if you're a true Protrusive and you want to support the podcast, you want to claim CPD for all the listening and watching that you do. You want to get access to exclusive clinical walkthrough videos to make dentistry tangible, as well as a premium newsletter, access to the Protrusive Vault, and the ability to download all the clinical videos and podcast videos so you can view them offline later. You can get all of that for less than 15 tax deductible dollars per month. So what are you waiting for? Download the Protrusive app now on iOS or Android for absolutely nothing. We worked so hard on this, the Protrusive team, and I know you're just going to love it. Now back to the main episode. And I started to ask a lot of questions on the forum. How do you do this and how do you do that? And in the matter of time, I was answering the questions. So I was helping to medical mm -hmm. other dentists. And then after that, uh, I worked for another team on the CFAST and then on IES. So I've had sort of experience with three different types of forums, um, helping dentists worldwide with simple fixed ortho. So one of the reasons I had you on is because when I learned that you'd actually worked alongside and educated with multiple systems, one of the overarching questions I Ooh. want to uh, help answer today, which is extremely controversial, and I appreciate that, is the, the, the age-old question that you see all the time when people are initially getting into orthodontics and they say, which is the best system, Ooh. right? So people will say, oh, is it QST, quick straight teeth, or is it IAS, or is it CFAST? Or people will say, hey, I'm, I'm thinking of doing uh, Damon braces, you know? So there's so many different systems and whatnot. So um, that's one thing that I think you'll be in a good position. Potentially your answer might be biased, but I like the fact that you've really been with so many different camps. So I'm really looking forward to what you think about that. But is there anything else that you want to add in the, in the background just to, to add a bit of a sort of yeah. context before we really dive into those well, questions? Probably, I'm not being paid by any of the companies at the moment. So I guess I'm in a position yes. where I can really you know, <laughs> be completely open about it. Um, I, I think it, it is, as you say, it's a very common question in, in the UK, certainly in, in the Facebook forums, people are asking that, especially um, new dentists. And it's a fair question to ask. I mean, how do you decide what courses to go on? You put up a question and you start to take advice there. Um, and we mm -hmm. both know that there's no tooth that's ever said, oh, Nick, I'm, I'm upset you put on a quick straight teeth bracket there and not an IS one over what? Because, you know, teeth respond to force vectors by mechanics and not to logos. Mm -hmm. It's human beings that respond to logos. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. absolutely. And orth orthodontics, all orthodontics is, is a prescription of a force. Yeah. Uh, and when you think of it that way, it, you know, uh, whether even, you know, we're going to eventually build up to uh, clear and liners, and I don't want to spoil mm. the surprise, but we're going to build up to that as well. Because nowadays, I mean, I think four years ago, people used to be like, which is the best fixed appliance system or which is the best system? And they, what they meant was, which is the best bracket system? But nowadays, more and more, it's no longer which is the best system. It's like, should I do Invisalign Go or should I do Invisalign Full? That's the the new question that you're seeing more than the, the, the old question you'd get was like, which which system? So we can see this um, evolution, if you like, of orthodontics in terms of preference of uh, new dentists into aligners. Yeah, I can understand that because fixed braces, I mean, think what happens is that teeth move along the wire and it can be a little bit unpredictable. 
And this is the thing. I mean, when I was mm-hmm. doing the six-month smiles, for example, we were told, and I wasn't doing Invisalign then, I'm still actually, but we were told, how frustrating is it to finish off your Invisalign cases or your clear aligner cases? How many refinements do you have to do? You know, you start saying to the patient, are you wearing your aligners? And there's a kind of trust issue going on there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so mm-hmm. that's how it was, it was sold is that the, the wire is acting all the time and you're going to finish your cases better. Yeah, it's an interesting thing. We will touch on that. But before I uh, ask you, uh, I'll just point blank ask you, which is the best system, fixed spline system. Before I do that, uh, you, you did touch on the type of GDP orthodontics that you do. So what, what is it, you know, that makes your, what is your sort of philosophy or style of orthodontics, if, if you know what I mean by that, by, by that question? Because you sort of touched on it about you're known for a certain type of orthodontics. And I touched up on that. What, what do you mean by that? Well, and, and also it develops and it, it evolves because I'm reining back what I'm doing in my braces. I'm doing less cases. I think when it came to GDP orthodontics and suddenly working on the forums, one of the mistakes I could see was someone would do a weekend course and then on the Monday think they're an orthodontist. You know, can I do this? Can I do that? Can I make space for this implant? And, you know, there's a reason why it takes years to get your M orth. And as I do more fixed ortho, the more respect I have for orthodontists. And as I did more ortho, the more cases I was referring out to orthodontists. And, you know, I have a good relationship with orthodontists too, but it does make you think. Now, there was that advert. I don't know, Jazz, if you remember that advert that the BAOS put out. Uh, It was some year. In the Daily Mail or something? Yes, it might have. You know what? I can't remember. I think the Telegraph springs to mind, Mm -hmm. but I can't remember exactly. But I remember that there was a double page spread or a big big page advert by the BOS saying that GDPs, you know, beware who you choose for your orthodontics. Should you even be going to a GDP, maybe you should only be choosing your specialist ortho, bearing in mind that a lot of GDPs were subscribers to the BOS. It was a concern. And, you know, the, tra- the tragic loss actually is, is Anoop mainly because, you know, Anoop was... GDP orthodontics. And, you know, we actually met at a six month smile course that was taking place near Ealing. I went along to meet Ryan Swain because he was traveling over to, to UK and he doesn't travel over that often. When I met a new, we just got chatting, where do you live? Where do you live? Turns out we only live two minutes down the road. We only live two minutes mm-hmm. down the road. And that became the start of a great friendship. But once that BOS advert came out, that was the springboard for a noop to really create the SAO, the European Society of Aesthetic Orthodontics. And what that did, I think that was a really important area in orthodontics for GDPs in this country, because it brought everyone together, regardless of the system. There aren't any systems that are better than each other. There may be an educational system, and I do believe that the IAS, from what I have experienced because it travels from simple to complex, removable to fixed. Mm-hmm. And I, and you know, now, if I have a case where I have concerns or questions, I've got three specialist orthodontists who I can ask and get answers quick time. I think that is just fantastic, and it, it, it evolves. But the ESAO was non-denominational. We did courses talking about how to assess 
orthodontics, how to diagnose and how to treatment plan. Because in my days, that's not what we did. We didn't assess anything. You know, the assessment form was very much <laughs> a poetic form. And of course now, and especially uh-huh. with an uptake of, well, I mean, especially since the GDC and orthodontics litigation, we now know that any GDP providing orthodontics really has to do their assessment diagnosis like a specialist, like an orthodontist. There's no real difference. So it did change markedly. Then what happened is that the companies took note and the companies raised their standards so that we are now safer dentists across the board. And I think that was an important moment for the ESAO. Once that happened, there wasn't really anywhere for the ESAO to go. So it just sort of stopped. But it achieved something quite significant for the, like you said, for the GDP movement. And, you know, uh, Anup Maney, rest in peace, a really legendary person. I was a student when I first uh, saw him speak. And you're right. I mean, the activity I was seeing as a young dentist, a student, and, you know, you're, you're, I think, I believe you were involved in mm. uh, TIFF and all these great uh, GDPs uh, in orthodontics were, were doing so much to, to facilitate us as GDPs to do more orthodontics. And I think you guys have revolutionized uh, the situation and created a real boom in a way. But there are dangers of that as well, which we can we can touch on. But yeah. essentially, the, the, the answer to highlight is there is no best system, but consider the fact that mentorship and guidance uh, and a thorough assessment should be a foundation of any system that you choose. Absolutely. It's the educational pathway, which is the key thing. So the next question I ask Nick is: I know you said you don't do um, clear aligners, right? So why did you? Because you, you seem like someone who's very passionate about orthodontics, yeah. uh, and and you re- respect it, and you know you have a good relationship, especially. So did you ever consider to hey, I you know maybe the demand is there, and and patients are asking you, hey, can I have clear aligners? Can I have Invisalign? And then perhaps you're converting these patients into fixed appliance patients or you are not treating them and referring them on. But uh, don't you think that uh, it's time you provided clear aligners? I do. So I am going to. In fact, <laughs> in fact, I decided I don't do any clear aligners. So the best way forward for me is actually take the diploma in clear aligners. So I'm booked on it for early next year. Brilliant. So I thought that's going to force me to learn Amazing. about clear aligners. Because I think there's very, I mean, I'm not going to say Invisalign is the best system because I don't know. I just think I need to try it. And to I think the market is going to be very interesting with other clear aligners like 3M and I think Shine are coming into it. I think with more and more usage of digital scanning, I think that there's going to be a lot of interesting clear aligners. I just think I, I'm waiting for um, a, a clear aligner company to be able to uh, compete with Invisalign, to be honest with you, because they have such a huge uh, market share. But to be fair, um, from my experience, Nick, having now used three ClearLine systems purely out of uh, testing and to see, hey, is there something better or is there something in a different approach to Invisalign? And both the other alternative UK-based ClearLine systems I used, one I used on my wife uh, and one I used uh, on, on a patient, I was very disappointed compared to Invisalign. I was extremely yeah. disappointed. My wife was um, in agony uh, from from a clear line of system. I'm not going to name because uh, I don't want to, you know, uh, defame yeah. any any system. But she was in agony, and none of my Invisalign patients have ever said they're in agony. And I, you know, I, I, so that's one uh, factor. And the other one, um, I used another um, 
laboratory-based ClearLine system. The plan it sent me, I was so upset with it that when I actually also submitted Invisalign, there was a stark difference. So Invisalign can achieve this in in seven liners or six liners, whereas it took this um, local company 13 aligners and it was just doing unnecessary movements. So um, mm. I do think that the amount of money that um, Invisalign invest into their technology and their development is more than what these other companies make. It time is more. And that's the difference, isn't it? Their redevelopment is huge. So they are streets ahead. And, mm. you know, where we are, uh, Westfields, for example, there's a pop-up shop there. The public are well-versed to knowing what's out there on the market, and they ask for it by name. You know, fantastic for Invisalign. So, yeah, I'm going to start to get involved. I want to look into clear aligner systems. I didn't really fully answer your other question, so I'm going to tell you why I'm starting to rein back on my fixed aligner, uh, fixed fix cases. Please. And it's to do with comp the compromise results. Now, term came up anterior aesthetic, anterior alignment orthodontics in cost to comprehensive orthodontics. So either going to do the whole caboodle or we're going to choose to do certain things. And the patient might choose only to look at their front crowding. So a patient may be class two. They have uh, an increased They might have crowding at the front. And we may say, okay, we're going to keep the parameters at the back as they are, but we're going to align your front teeth only. And although actually I haven't had any comeback, but at the same time, unlike Tiff, who has all his patients coming back for, it seems like, recalls every few years at least, I don't have that. But I do wonder about anterior guidance because if we're taking teeth potentially out of anterior guidance or sharing less teeth on anterior guidance, how's that going to function over the course of a lifetime? And I'm just thinking that maybe in a closed system where we can potentially actually predict the outcome a little bit more, I'm starting to think that maybe a class one crowding system is probably the safest system that there is. I can tell you mm -hmm. that probably... Because I'm not really a dentist that goes for awards or anything like that. I, I don't really give a monkeys about that. But probably one of the things that warms my heart the most was an, a moment in a, a lecture that uh, Professor Kevin O'Brien was giving. I just happened to be in that lecture. And he was talking about anti-alignment for GDPs and um, maybe some not wonderful cases. And then, he, and then up flushed one of my cases. And he said, this is what we should be aiming for. And I was really surprised and wow. taken back because, uh, one, I don't know where he got this case from, but two, I was, yeah. <laughs> but it, what it was, it was case, it was class one at the back, class one canine relationship crowding at the front. And I think, you know, that's where we should be. Yes, I've done extraction cases, but I will always have that mentored. And, you know, is there a role for GDPs in orthodontics? Absolutely. I mean, we've been doing it before there was a specialty. There's been dentists attaching themselves to hospitals and doing clinics. We know about smile design and where to put teeth. But I think we do need to be careful. We shouldn't take on too much. There should be an educational pathway because things don't always go to plan. 
And uh, I think as a GDP, it's going to be more difficult. Well, I want to ask you, uh, Nick, uh, exactly some scenarios where you've, you have seen, because you've mentored uh, GDPs uh, in orthodontics, what kind of uh, troubleshooting uh, mistakes that GDPs tend to make that you could just uh, give some pearls on. But before we get to that, I just want to touch on a, on a few points uh, that you made. Uh, let's discuss, um, for what it's worth, if you don't mind my opinion on uh, these cases where you, you've got, let's say, a class two division two with very steep anterior guidance, and then you make you convert them essentially to a class two division one because you've just done some anterior alignment orthodontics. So th- that is a, a concern because you've lost the anterior guidance. And you, you mentioned about the term, how about their function throughout life? In my map of the world, you've got patients with AOBs and you've got patients with incomplete overbites all over the place, yeah. right? Where they've got plenty of space uh, and they don't have much anterior guidance to begin with and, and they're fine. And then you convert this patient from um, very significant anterior guidance to, to no anterior guidance. So I, I worry not about how they will function. I worry about how they will parafunction because I, I, I do believe I am in this camp that a lot of the issues are there. Um, from the people who are chewing for longer than 17 minutes a day, for people who are rubbing their teeth together when they shouldn't be rubbing their teeth together. And that's where I think the role of anterior guidance is more crucial. So when you're doing a rehabilitation, you're protecting. The reason why they needed a rehabilitation in the first place is because they destroyed their dentistry. So how can you create a a minimal stress dentition? So that's just my thinking of it. Uh, But certainly I do get happier and I am much happier as a GDP providing orthodontics when I have a patient who's already in class one canines and class of molars and I'm just relieving the crowding, I know that's a home run case. And mm. I totally share your sentiments that we should pick and choose our cases. And, and that's really a beauty of being a GDP, right? You can do some cherry picking. So I just wanted to sh- sh- share that uh, little, little uh, point in there. Um, and, the, and the other thing that I wanted to talk about is you mentioned a great thing about a closed system, right? As, uh, and you apply that aligners are a closed system. Well, it's interesting because I, I agree with you in that respect. But sometimes um, when I have uh, when I speak to orthodontists who perhaps only provide fixed appliances, and, and I really um, admire you the fact that you know you're such an experienced GDP with orthodontics, and I've seen your cases; they're phenomenal. And if, if Professor Kevin O'Brien you know, in a, in a podium will bring up your slides, then wow, kudos to you uh, and to him as well to, for highlighting and championing uh, GDP orthodontics. I think, you know, well done to him as well for, for sharing that. But the fact that you're so experienced and, and already know so much about assessment and proper orthodontics, and you're continuing to not just dabble, but you're going for a diploma in that. So amazing. Uh, you know, keep keep up that spirit. That's that's fantastic. But when I speak to people who don't have your mindset and they stick to only what they know, fixed blinds, and they don't even want to consider clear line of therapy, what they say to me is they they say, "Jazz, the problem is the lack of control with uh, Invisalign." They say that I, as an orthodontist, don't have the control. I like to put my you know my wire bends, my brackets in the right place to have the maximum control. But in my mind, that doesn't make sense because I think as soon as you put brackets and wires. Everything is now moving. Yes, you can do a few things, you know, auxiliary things to you know, uh, reinforce anchorage and whatnot. But essentially, if you don't see the patient for a prolonged period of time, it's everything, the wire is taking effect. Whereas with a clear aligner, it can't move beyond the parameters of that clear aligner. So who's right? Who's wrong? Are we, are, are we both right? I mean, where do you stand on that? Uh, in that conversation, orthodontists, or are you talking about GDPs providing fixed braces? I'm talking about anyone who provides orthodontics and who believes, uh, who stands in the camp that 
I have the most control with fixed appliances compared to someone with clear aligners? Well, I think there were, there's, there's definitely a difference between an orthodontist and a general dentist. So, Of course. Of if, course. I, if I was a specialist orthodontist, I would go with my training. But let's say that we're a GDP and we both talked about biomechanics briefly at the beginning. There's different ways of doing it. And I've seen some amazing cases on forums that dentists do with Invisalign. So it's down to the education and the skill set of the dental provider. That's what it comes down to and how much time you're going to devote to it. But I do like the fact that teeth can't move out outside that clear aligner. I also understand it could be frustrating sometimes in delivering that care. Um, I'm, I just haven't done any Invisalign. So I thought the best way to go and deal with that is to take a diploma at in clear aligners and force myself to do it. I mean, that's that's amazing. That's that's brilliant. That's brilliant. I mean, from someone who's done a fair cases, a fair few cases in uh, Invisalign or clear aligners, um, the thing that we struggle with the most would be uh, canines. You know, rotations of canines, moving those canines. You know, similar to some degree with fixed appliances where they're very anchorage demanding. Yeah. Um, you also class three cases where you have got um, minimal. Uh, overjet and you've got crowding and then you can just bring out those lower incisors and what you end up with with clear aligners or any system is you get a posterior open bite because you haven't retracted the yeah. the lower incisors yeah. enough and you haven't uh, accounted for that so it's lack of planning lack of diagnosis that, that you can run into trouble so in your experience uh, this leads nicely to what kind of what couple of scenarios few gems can you share with gdps about common errors or common mistakes that you have seen GDPs make with orthodontics that you'd like to just share to avoid? Yeah, okay. Well, I, I, I'll come obviously from the fixed bracket, uh, fixed camp. Of um, course. So the main one, there's two main ones, uh, which are failure to assess, failure to diagnose and failure to plan. And the next big one is failure to communicate. So I know on the IAS website, there's now take an online course on how to do your assessment, diagnosis and treatment planning. I know Ross Hobson's done that. I think that's invaluable, really. I think for under 100 quid to have that knowledge is just fantastic. Communication is part of consent. Failure to tell people that their teeth are going to procline. Failure to tell them that they're going to end up with black triangles to anticipate. Failure to tell them about retention. Who's responsible for the retainers? Are they going to need maintenance? Who's going to pay for the maintenance? Problems with IPR, uh, not doing enough, maybe doing IPR when extraction is the best policy. Failure to refer from the very beginning is a concern. Overproclining, not looking at biotype, uh, getting recession. Mm -hmm. Now, these are all big parameters that GDPs have got into trouble really over. Brilliant. So, so you get yeah the communication ones that uh, really big, but you've also given a few uh, clinical ones, black triangles. Um, what is your um, uh, best way to communicate to a patient a black triangle? Do you just show them a photo, or uh, have you got any analogies that you use, or any uh, diagrams? I show other people's cases. <laughs> obviously, I don't care. You I do, I do, I do though. I, I show, I show patients because one of the things I do with fixed braces is I take a lot of photos so I'm always on top of my cases I'm taking photos from before we put the braces on I'm taking photos at the bond up at the bond up and before the next treatment I'm thinking what do I plan to happen what am I planning to do at my next visit 
And so it's ongoing. So I keep tabs on it. You know, I say to myself, um, this morning, I put on a bracket and it was like a millimetre out in a vertical plane. You know, that tooth is either going to intrude or extrude. So I know about it. I'm measuring it. I'm looking at it. I'm looking at the shape of the wire. Um, So I'm trying to keep tabs on what's going on. I think that's really important. Brilliant. That, that's a great gem to take lots of photos and critique mm. it. Uh, and uh, leads very nicely to one of my last questions is, what percentage of your cases are you, once you bonded up, because I imagine, are you doing freehand bonding of your brackets or are you using a template? Yeah. So I've freehand bonded for the last, for, for almost all my cases, actually. Uh, it's very rare for me to. And, and, and so, so um, you know, companies would like you to use their labs because obviously it's profitable for them. When I took the six-month SMILE course, uh, we were taught to do both. And so initially, to get me going up and running, I would use the laboratory services for, for that. And as you become more experienced, I would then set my own brackets. And using various various companies, I'm not saying it could be any company, I can actually look at a bonding tray and see that the bracket is not in the right position. So I'd miss that one out and, and reinsert it myself. But I'm not as fast as an orthodontist. I'm not an orthodontist. I'm a GDP. And, you know, I know where I am. Mm-hmm. Having taken IAS courses um, and their advanced course, then we're expected to bond up all the time. Um, and so that's what I do. Brilliant. And when, when you've done that, uh, and like you said, you've taken a photo. Uh, and by the way, that is a real pearl that we should highlight that, you know, when you're starting out to, to use these lab services, but eventually, uh, but also to critique what you get back and really look at it. Is that, is that, is that bracket really in the right place? What's the action that will be happening? So that's a great uh, tip. And when you uh, take the photos, like recently you said, is a millimeter out in the vertical plane. Um, in what percentage of cases will you be rebonding brackets at a later visit? to just get your bracket positioning perfect? Yeah, so the two ways that I know of getting a tooth into the right shape is either to bend the wire or to move the bracket. It's a little bit tedious to keep moving the bracket, so it's easier to bend the wire. Which wires are better to bend? Stainless steel. So you need better brackets in order to do that. Is there a better bracket? Probably there is. Can you beat a metal bracket? I don't know. I don't think so. Uh, you can probably come <laughs> close with a ceramic bracket, but if you're going to use, uh, you know, the composite brackets or what are they, polycarboxylate or polycarbonate, I think. Plastic. We'll call them plastic. I'll call them P for plastic. Um, then they can't really take a stainless steel wire. So it all comes down to your bracket selection and your prescription as well and your education. So do I check in, unless a bracket is obviously out, unless I've had, you know, a really late night, which is rare on the night before, I'm not going to start, ch- and then there's an obvious bracket out of position, I'm not going to change it until I'm into a 2020 wire, so it's probably on visit three or so. Because um, as things start to level, then I'll start to pick and choose which ones. Um, and yes, I will spend um, time placing, replacing my brackets as to what I want to achieve. Brilliant. Fantastic. Uh, and just as a last nitty gritty detail, uh, which is your bracket system of choice? Like, for example, when I do do brackets, I'm using uh, 3M's MBT prescription uh, uh, brackets. Yeah. I forget the exact yeah. name, but they're by 3M. Uh, which ones do you use? Clarity, that's yeah. the one. Yeah, 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 yeah. Clarity, I think. And also I like Purity as well. Uh, they just come up. They're, they're very good as well. 
purity. This mm-hmm. uh, I, I do like the the ones with the the, the self adhesive bit, so you, you don't even have to worry about uh, putting the yeah, loot on, and it's just yeah. already got the self adhesive bit. It just it makes sense. But anyway, Nick, uh, we've, we've got we've had a few gems. You talked a little bit about the evolution of GDP orthrontics. Uh, I, I pinned you and I asked you about which system is the best, and you gave a very humble answer, and you gave us some really good uh, gems overall. And and as your you know previous history in, in advising other GDPs. And I'm so uh, glad to hear that you will be going into the, the clear line of space. Um, and, and I admire the, the way that you're going about it. Uh, so, and I wish you all the Thank best you. with that, with that diploma. I'm sure you're going to ace it and uh, get distinction and all that sort of stuff. Uh, no pressure. <laughs> and any closing comments from you, Nick, my friend, for, for, for anyone listening, uh, who's uh, thinking about advancing themselves in orthodontics? Yeah, I think it's an exciting journey to take. I would not be scared about it. Um, I think it's a pathway like most things in life, um, start off small and start to grow. But I think it's really enjoyable. It's certainly something that our patients have been asking us for. You know, they, they've been growing up with teeth that they're not proud of. And in the lockdown period, using Zooms, apparently there's a growth in terms of people asking for orthodontic treatments because they've been seeing themselves on Zoom and whatever and uh, seeking all out these aesthetic uh, treatments. So I would say go for it. Choose a company which has, I think, a good educational pathway and, and have fun. Amazing. Thank you so much, uh, Nick, once again, for for coming on and sharing those pearls with us. Really, really great having you on the podcast. It's my pleasure. Thanks very much for having me. I really enjoyed it. Cheers, Jazz. Well, there we have it, Dr. Nick Simon. Uh, thank you so much, for guys, for listening all the way to the end. I always appreciate it very much. Do follow us on Instagram. It's at Protrusive Dental. Uh, DM us with your ideas and where you want me to go with the direction of the podcast. I'm really uh, enjoying getting on these varied guests. And the next one is a specialist orthodontist. Uh, we're going to be talking about when is it okay to do a compromise plan and when should you not do a compromise orthodontic plan and you should be doing comprehensive plans. So what I mean by compromise plan is like you have someone with an increased overjet and crowding and to sort out the overjet and the crowding, you may need to remove two teeth to allow you to uh, resolve the overjet. But the patient, for example, says that, you know what, I don't want any teeth removed uh, and I just want the crowding resolved and that's it. I don't, I don't care about my overjet. So is it okay to just resolve the crowding and and, and leave the cl- the patient in a class two division one, i.e. a compromise result? So that's what we'll be tackling with uh, Mandeep Gosal, aka The Goss. Uh, and he's a specialist orthodontist, so I know you'll love it very much. And I'll catch you next week, same time, same place. Mm.